Hello, world, and welcome to this week's episode of Golf Subpar. I'm Colt Nost, as always, joined by the sleazy man, Drew Stoltz. Drew, how we living? Man, living correct. You know, another big week here on Golf Subpar. We got a man coming on today that the world, I mean, I'm as big a fan as you get of this guy, and I haven't seen any interviews, anything he's done in a long, long time. I'm really, really excited for this interview. I mean, we're following it up after a great episode with Pat Perez. We're going to another, you could say, PGA Tour bad boy. Wild thing. The John, original, yeah. John Daly will be joining us here on the program. Dude, this is going to be fun. I was a kid. I was born in Arkansas. I grew up just like everyone like that came up you know, around that time. Like This was the guy you looked up to. This guy that changed golf, like the way the fans interacted, just the way he... The way he acted, all the things he done, like he is, he is iconic in the world of golf. And to have him sit down with us here, you know, hopefully for an hour or so, I'm really, really looking forward to it. You got a little pit sweat going. Are you nervous about this upcoming interview? No, that's just nerves. That's just game time. That's game. That's all when right. you know it's I game like time, it. dude. I get a little perspiration going. Man, I am super excited. This guy, he has been so great to me ever since I was a rookie on the PGA Tour. I'll never forget. I played a practice round with him in 2009, my rookie year. Uh, this is a great story. Myself and Ryan Palmer played John Daly and Jason Gore. Okay. Okay. We had a little match. And this is when they were filming uh, The Daily Planet. If you remember that, it was on the Golf Channel. I do recall about John yeah. Daly. So we're all mic'd up going on, talking trash. We're playing. I won't tell you the amount. We're playing one downs, though. Okay. Me Aggressive. And, me and Ryan proceeded to make 17 birdies in 18 holes. Okay. My putter was a little hot that day. And we got to the point where... We're on the 12th hole, and I talked to Jason Gore about this earlier today. So we're at the 12th hole. It's par five. There's water short and right. I had to lay up. John, as usual, knocks it on to 12 feet. I wedge it to 15 feet, make it. He three putts, okay. loses his mind, throws his putter in the water on a Tuesday practice round, <laughs> has to putt the last six holes with no putter, playing one downs. His Jason Gore wanted to kill this guy. It was absolutely incredible. I think we beat them uh, 15 ways. 15 ways, 15. 17 tweets, tough break. Also, when the putter goes in the water on a Tuesday, that's when you know it, dude. Like, you go ahead and book your ticket home on Friday. That's the real deal. That's the real deal. <laughs> Most guys would wait till some people to be around so they could tell the story. Oh, Daly threw his putter in the water. Not John. Tuesday afternoon, no one around, gone. But it's unreal, man. He is just, I mean, even today, he's 53 years old. He's one of the most loved guys in the world. Still, if he tees it up, at whether it be at a Champions Tour event or a PJ Tour event, I mean, his galleries are probably the second biggest out there next to Tigers. I would. I was going to say, I would argue that right now, today, he's the second, third biggest draw in golf in terms of, like, if he's in the field, people are buying tickets because strictly of that guy being in the field. I, I think he's still in the top two, three guys in the world. Yeah, Drew, you're 100% correct. He is one of the biggest draws in the history of the PGA Tour. Unfortunately, during these difficult times, we couldn't have him in studio, but we were able to get him to call in. So it's going to be an audio interview, but it's going to be fantastic. So let's get right to it. Here's John Daly on Golf Subpar. Our next guest needs no introduction, but we're going to give him one anyway. He is one of the most recognizable names in golf. He's two-time major champion and the only golfer to ever hoist the claret jug while rocking a mullet. John Daly, welcome to the show, my man. What's happening, guys? Oh, nothing. So good to hear from you, John. I'm so excited for this. <laughs> Meatball, what's up? I knew we couldn't get <laughs> through the show without you saying that. You're the only person in the world that calls me that, by the way. Uh, you're you're cute like a meatball, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where this came no, from. No, it's such a good name, though. <laughs> oh, I Thanks. love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, thanks for taking the time, my man. Uh, I know these are some weird times. What's uh, How's John Daly doing during this quarantine? I saw he came out with a remedy recently on how to stop COVID with a little bit of Belvedere. 
some Diet Coke and some smokes each day. How's that holding up for you? It's worked so far. Shame we can't have any humor in this country, this world anymore, you know, without somebody busting you, you know what. I didn't mean to hurt anybody's feelings. That's Hell, I'm just doing it for fun, just trying to get some laughs in this tough time that we're going through. Yeah, and I think for the people out there that haven't seen you, you posted a little video on Instagram um, tagging one of your good buddies, President Donald Trump, and uh, all his great golf courses around the world, and people just didn't seem to like it and got a little backlash from it, and I just think people need to relax out there. Well, it was for the members of Trump Golf. Um, you know, I'm very close to a lot of them. You know, I represent Trump Golf, play, their, play Trump's golf courses all over the you know United States, and, um, you know, great members. It was just supposed to just give them some, you know, just a little fun in their life and because uh, we all need some right now. We all need a sense of humor as well as, you know, pray for the people who have fallen and, and pray for this virus to get over. But uh, I didn't mean any harm by it. I ain't going to apologize to anybody. It's just reporters that want to be, you know, assholes. Of yeah. course. I mean, really, if people get upset about what you said, I mean, it's not like you're out there. It's not like you're a doctor. They shouldn't be really listening to you anyway. No, I'm not trying to be a doctor. I'm trying to have some fun. Like, you know, there's a million other posts of people doing stuff just kind of the same way, just trying to, you know, have some fun. I mean, you know, it's just sad that uh, there's no sense of humor in, in our world anymore. For sure. A lot of sensitive people. If you're getting your medical advice from John Daly, you got a lot bigger issues than what <laughs> than uh, what he's telling you to do, I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, right. so one of my points in that video was about smoking, mm-hmm. right? So the French came out with this today. French researchers suggest nicotine could protect against COVID-19. Oh so my God. Maybe, one, maybe one out of two were right. or one, I know Diet Coke probably, you know, that's caffeine. So if you put caffeine and nicotine together, it equals protein. I've been saying that all my life. <laughs> but, that uh, is brilliant. I want you to be my so doctor. Let's go ahead, everybody, and back my ass for that one, too. But it's right here. If you can read that or look it up, it's the Fritz are saying it. I'm not saying it. I'm just doing it. Exactly. And you're doing a great uh, job of it. God bless well, you. We've been, obviously, locked away for several months now, or at least having to really be quarantined what's a day in the life of john daly look like lately well i just watch a lot of tv um i have my own golf course here in dardanelle arkansas i've had it since 0304 um me and my son and you know my daughter runs the pro shop my brother's my superintendent here my other daughter's married down in hot springs about an hour away anna's here her daughter's here my niece is here and uh We've had a lot of fun. You know, we can just go on a golf course, play a lot of golf, cut some greens, cut some fairways. My son does it. My brother just tells us what to do. And, uh, you know, at least we can get outside. And I feel for those ones who are stuck, you know, all over the country that can't go outside and don't have anywhere to go. That's, that's really got to suck. I mean, you know, but what can we do? You know, but uh, luckily Arkansas hasn't had a lot of cases. We've had a few, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's still a tough time for everybody. Are you getting a chance to work on any new music right now, John? When can the people expect the next the next smash hit from John Daly? Well, I'm a one hit wonder, so uh, <laughs> you know, I never thought I'd be a hit anyway, anywhere in music. But it's more of a hobby. Um, I got some things in the fire. Um, a lot of my good country buddies and a couple rock and roll and buddies are gonna write with me, write some songs on the next album. Um, I've got. A few things written down on the first song that's going to be the Tyler album. This old road's coming to an end, but it's not like it's a negative thing. There'll be some 
bad things in the song, but it'd be more of a positive. Um, and then uh, we'll take it from there and let the professionals that are going to be on the album with me, that write the songs with me, uh, hopefully sing with me as well. Um, it should be fun. It should be a lot of fun. But, you know, the best place to me where most of my friends are, are from Nashville that do country and do the music. Uh, I definitely have to go there. And right now it's just impossible to go there because of this virus. For sure. Can you uh, can you share some of those artists that you're going to be working with with us here? Well, I don't want to put anybody's name out there that, that won't do it, but I, I don't want to get hopes up, but I've had commitments from some really great people, Jamie Johnson, Kid Rock, Randy Hauser, Tyler Reeve. Um, Johnny Lee wants to do another one with me. Um, there's a lot of them that, that w- will help me. Jake Owen, we started one with Jake. Uh, me and Bobby Katz with Mitch Covington, who's a real big with Monster Drink, wrote one, and I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, third door down is recording it learn recording it right now three doors down um awesome which would be cool i mean it's a great time to write um but i just don't know enough on the guitar it's not like i can call my buddy like jocko he lives about three miles from me you know he's the we call him the uh he's unbelievable we call him the human jukebox uh he knows over three thousand songs and he can play and sing he's one of the best guitar players i've ever known and can sing his ass off, but uh, Toby Keith said he'd do one with me. Some other names will pop up. Chris Cagle. Um, it's just something I wish we were all together doing it right now because it'd be a hell of a time to do it. Yes, for sure. And you are very, very talented um, with a guitar and a microphone in your hand for those that have not seen it, but you're much more talented at the game of golf, and that is for sure. So I want to go back to 1991 when you when you won your first major championship at Crooked Stick. How much and how fast did life change for you in just that short week? Uh, a lot. Um, it was a very short week since I got there Wednesday about, I don't know, 12, 30, 1 o'clock that Thursday morning from Memphis. Uh, got the message on the phone saying, hey, you have Nick Price's tea time. I'm not 100% sure. I know it was around 12-something. And uh, never saw the golf course squeaky. Nick had asked me if I get in, will you let Squeaky caddy for it? And I said, hell yeah. I didn't, wasn't really committed to a caddy at that time. Um, the cool thing was I'd already secured my card for 92, which is the first and ultimate goal, you know, on the PJ Tour, hoping you can play good early and, and knowing you're secured for the next year, the top 125. And wasn't really playing that great going into it. Uh, I was hitting the ball solid. I wasn't scoring and uh, fell in love with the golf course. You know, everybody's talking about how long it was. And, and that time I was hitting about a six to seven yard draw and hitting it somewhat far. Uh, and I could clear all the all the tough holes. I could get to all the par fives, uh, the long par fours. You know, I was hitting sandwiches in. It was a big, big advantage. But you still had to execute. And I putted, putted really, really well. I mean, it's probably still one of the best full rounds of uh, putting I did, saving six and eight footers for pars like Tiger does every day. Um, but, uh, you know, it didn't really hit me until I got to Colorado the next week on that Tuesday when there's probably 8,000 people right around the clubhouse there, you know, waiting for me to get there. And I went out and played a practice round, and it was just – it was awesome. It really was. And it still is. You know, you were you obviously that week you were known for how far you were hitting it because people – a lot of people hadn't seen you ever play. How much longer were you than most of the guys out on tour back then? I didn't really pay that much attention to it. Um, I think I think everybody else just kind of spoke about it. Um, you know, everybody talked about how long Freddie was, um, and 
when I played with him, I hit it past him, and he, he'll attest to that. But, uh, you know, the key thing was is I didn't win as much as I wish I could have with that length, and it just proved to me that it doesn't matter how long you are in this game if you can't score to win, you know. My short game was, I thought, was just as good as anybody else's, but it's very inconsistent on the greens. I've never been the, the best putter in the world. Ball striking-wise, I was – I still feel like I'm I'm pretty good at that, but I'm a streaky putter like Lanny Watkins was. Um, you know, you get the feel and you feel like you can't miss, but it's a day-to-day thing for me. Colt, you understand that. I mean, sure. you know, Tiger's been the best putter for the last, you know, however long. Ben Crenshaw was a great putter. Nicholas was the best under the best, you know, the pressure. Um, the only thing I've been very fortunate to, if I've had a lead going into two or three holes, I've, I've usually hung in there and, and kept it going to win yeah john uh your win that week was kind of like portrayed by the media as an overnight success right here's an out of nowhere winner did it did you view it that way or for you was it more of like hey man this was a long time coming i put in a lot of work for this i told myself i put a lot of work in it to it but uh, the cool thing was i had that 10-year exemption you know that 10 years and all the majors and uh, it's changed now i think it's only five when you win unless it's the pj or the masters and the British, you, you get in for life, basically, until you're 60 or 65. But uh, knowing I had that 10-year exemption, that was just the ultimate. That To me, that was the most important thing, knowing I was going to be on the PJ Tour for at least 10 more years. And, you know, and then back it up with BC at 92, 94 Bell South. had a lot of chances in 93. And uh, when I won the British in 95, same thing. I wasn't really playing that great. But going to St. Andrews where me and Freddie and uh, Payne Stewart had won the Dunhill uh, the year, previous year, uh, fell in love with St. Andrews. I said, that's the place. If I if I can get a British Open, um, for me, that would be the place because all you have to do is hit it left off the tee and I could fly everything back then. That's a nice advantage to have. I have no idea what that's like, John. <laughs> I'll be honest. But, John, when you were back in school at Arkansas, you know, obviously your goal was to turn pro and be very successful at this game. Could you ever imagine being a two-time major champion and honestly one of the most famous people in all the world? I wouldn't take it that far. You're pretty recognizable, um, bud. Well, I've had some fun in my life, and I've never been scared to talk about the problems. It's always helped me. But uh, Arkansas was a great stepping stone. We we were coming on to a pretty good golf team. You know, the likes of John Sadie, Mike Schwartz, Mike Grob. Uh, Chris Little, Sean Pappas, who unfortunately we lost three years ago. Um, we were long. We were talented and we were long. We just, we needed uh, one, just that one hole or two holes in the big tournaments that we could have really done some damage. And um, But we were we were a pretty tight group. We, we all got along and, uh, you know, we all helped each other. And uh, we really thought we had the team that could win it all. And we just never could get there. Going back to when you when you signed with the University of Arkansas out of high school, I, the golf coach at the time, Steve Lloyd, told you, I believe you need to lose like 60 pounds before you enroll at Arkansas. And you did it, but you did it in a really unique way. Can you tell us how you got that done? That's a lot of weight to lose as a as a high school senior coming into college. Well, you know, unfortunately, I mean, too fortunately at a time of my life, uh, coach told me, hey, he was smoking Marlboro Lights. I started smoking cigarettes. Uh, started drinking a lot of Jack Daniels and ate dry popcorn, lost 63 pounds in less than two and a half months. I so, wanted to play. So I wanted to play. So it sounds like a fun dry diet. popcorn? Dry popcorn, yeah. You just had those, that's when those machines came out. You just made them in your dorm room. 
Been sound... put salt on it or butter or nothing. It was awful. That sounds terrible. Jack Daniels and dry popcorn, dude. That's it. I'm out on that's that. It. That's it. I'm out on that, John. <laughs> I don't like that. But, John, I mean, you've had an unbelievable career. Lots of up and downs and all that. But, you know, the, the minimum requirement to get in the Hall of Fame is you have to win at least two majors. So, obviously, you've met that. If you had a vote, would you vote yourself into the Hall of Fame? I think the Hall of Fame should be fans voting in. I think – or the people who are behind it. If I know I've done some pretty stupid things, but the way I look at it, I look at all these greats that are in the Hall of Fame. If they've moved the needle in the game of golf or they got people interested in the game of golf, um, like kids that started because of me or – older people that started because of me, um, then I feel like I, I should be. But I kind of feel like the fans, you know, Laura Davies, I mean, um, is, she, is she finally in the Hall, LPJ Hall of Fame? Because if she's not, it's just a disgrace. I believe uh, she is, yes. Yeah, I think they finally put her in, but uh, I pitched that one too for her. But uh, I don't think it's something that I should really say or, or I don't think it's, it's out of my hands. But I feel like I've, I've done a lot for the game. But I've also done a lot that wasn't good for the game. Attitude uh, sometimes. But uh, if I move the needle and got people playing the game, I feel like that's all you could hope for. And, you know, I would almost have rather played in seven Ryder Cups than even think about the Hall of Fame because I really felt like there was two or three Ryder Cups that I could have helped our team. Yeah, and that's obviously a, a great, great statement. And I was wondering because, you know, you're – the only person to ever win two majors to never represent a United States Ryder Cup team. Like, obviously, it seems to that bothers you quite a bit. Is there any reason why you think you got left off those teams back in the early 90s, early to mid-90s? Well, probably attitude. Probably some of the things I did off the course and some of the things that I I didn't do that I was accused of doing. And there was a lot I did that I, I really did. But, uh, you know, 91 was a heartbreaker. It was the first year the PGA of America decided not to have their, their champion be on the Ryder Cup. And I think if the stats are right, I think I'm the only guy that's won one major, much less two than never been on a Ryder Cup. But, uh, you know, I feel like 94 and 90, 91 or 90, yeah, 91, and it moved to an even number uh, sometimes for 2004, maybe. 2004, mm -hmm. I think, is one. Those are the two years that I know I could have really, really helped the U.S. And, uh, I was playing probably the best golf of my life in those those two years. Is that something you feel like is missing from your resume? Like, is that one of the biggest, I guess, call it like disappointments that you never got to represent the U.S. in a Ryder Cup? It hurts a little bit. But, you know, in the early 90s, uh, some of the things I did probably didn't earn the respect from the players. Don't blame them. Um, but 2004, I thought I was doing pretty good. Um, you know, it was the best year on my on my resume of top tens and uh, went in San Diego the way I did. Um, you know, I, I was like, I don't know, 17th in the world at the time. I don't think I was too far out of the top 20 on the point system. It wasn't near 10, I don't think, but it, it was in the top 20, I think. And uh, trying to think, was that Lehman that year was the captain? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, he came to PJ that year. He says, "Hey, play good." You know, at least I, I know he was kind of looking, looking at it maybe for a pick, but uh, unfortunately, he just didn't pick me. Yeah, which is obviously you would have been incredible on those teams and brought some great energy. But back to '95 when you won the Open Championship at um, St Andrews. 
So a lot of people, I actually watched rewatched the thirty for thirty on you um, last night, and they were showing the highlights of obviously winning there at St Andrews. And Constantino Roca goes and chunks the chip on eighteen, and then makes the putt. And the the look on your face just obviously was you were completely shocked and devastated that he made that putt. But what was that feeling like? Can you describe like your emotions at that time? Well, I'm just thinking, you know, when he people don't talk about the up and down he got on seventeen yes. behind the road hole. Mm-hmm. and I was amazed. I said, you know, something special is going to happen here because I really didn't think it was going to be that dramatic on 18. I thought he was going to, after he got up and down on 17, which is hard to do behind that hole, behind that green, um, I thought something special. I thought he was just going to hit his second shot within a foot or, or hole it out or do something crazy, but instead, you know, he chilly dips and makes the 60-footer or 70-footer, whatever it was, and we go in the playoffs, and I got off to the do a really good start on those first two holes. You know, he, he three putts one, I make four, and then I make a kind of a bomb on two, and I'm two up. And uh, for the people who don't understand, you play uh, four holes in a playoff in the British Open. So in St. Andrews, we went one, two, 17, and 18. And, you know, I was two up, and then he got stuck in the road hole bunker. And I, I think he was in there two or three shots, and luckily I, I got lucky and won it. Yeah, you mentioned the up and down on the, the putt on eighteen. Everyone remembers, but the up and down off the concrete with a putter on seventeen is the one that like gets forgotten all the time. When he ends up tying you and you go into a playoff, was there ever a point in time where you were just like, "Damn, maybe this ain't one, this one ain't for me. Maybe this just ain't in the cards." Like everything's going this dude's way. I didn't really think of it that way. Uh, I think for the advantage for me was is that right when he signed his card, we're right on the first tee. His emotions. He was his emotions were still flying high um, after making that putt and getting in the you know to force a playoff. I don't think he had settled down, and um, I know it's true because he told me I've seen him a few times uh, after that happened. He says he he wished he'd had thirty or forty five minutes, and I think it might it could have been different. It could have been a lot different, really. Well, we're glad he didn't. We're yeah, glad he had to go everyone in the it. states is glad he didn't. I got to ask you this: this is totally unrelated, but I was rewatching highlights from some of your major wins. Do you still have that Reebok pullover that you were wearing that day? That day, that thing was sick, and I think it needs to make a comeback. I do. You want to see it? Yeah. Well, I wish we could. We our video. Oh, we need, we yeah. need a picture of that thing that should be in the Hall of Fame. So, a, but that thing needs to come back. So, John, if you months, I still got. <laughs> he's going to get it right now. Oh, he's got it. I texted you I a few still, months ago about this, John. But my buddy wanted to buy it from you, and you're like, "No way, that thing's not for sale." <laughs> I actually have the flag, the golf shirt. The breaker and the Reebok shoes. That's incredible. Do you ever slide the breaker on just at night and just kick back and have a drink and be like, man, remember what I did with this thing on? <laughs> no, I don't ever do that. Oh, I would do that. You should. <laughs> yeah, you should do that, dude. You but that's absolutely not, should do that. That's not the only amazing memorabilia you have in your house. Your whole house is just incredible, filled with uh, you know, autograph memorabilia, pictures, and all this. Can you tell the listeners some of your favorite pieces of memorabilia you have in your house? Oh, there's so many. I mean, I've got pretty much most of the Hall of Fame quarterbacks, you know, the Namus. I got Star, um, Johnny Unitas, Terry Bradshaw, Staubach, Aikman, uh, LA's, Montana. I mean, the list goes on. Uh, I got my Namus one I'm staring at right here. Um, it's list, it, there's just so much stuff here that people have given me. And, um, guitars is just insane. You know, Baby Lucille 63, BB King, Kid Rock. Uh, Eddie Van Halen sent me 5150 amps with an Ernie Ball. Uh, anywhere from Tom T. Hall to, you know, the Rolling Stones. I mean, 
there's probably 70, 80 guitars up there that uh, in my music room that people have signed for me. It's just, it's just every time I look at them, I'm just like, oh, there's no way I met all these people. That's yeah. incredible. And you know one of the best things, Drew, about John Daly? What's that? He is a diehard Dallas Cowboy fan. I, I, Jerry Jones, yeah. Right, John? That's right. My son's room has got most of the 75th Cowboy jerseys in it. I you love know, your Henderson's, your, um, the great, the Emmett Smith. Well, here we go. So here's the shirt. <laughs> Look at this thing, the Reebok. There it is. It's incredible. <laughs> I has no like Hall of Fame or anything asked to have that or St. Andrews didn't want doesn't like you know how some clubs have like the wedges that guys hit great chip shots on they haven't ever asked you for that I've given them some clubs but not this thing I don't know if that's you know this is just some black black we don't do that anymore I'm with loud mouth but uh, here's the jumper and you know what I think it still fits <laughs> that's awesome i know you're with loudmouth but it'd be great if you came out on the champions tour one time the first time you get into sweater weather and, and bring out that reebok pullover because that thing is iconic and actually when i won the british open i was where i wasn't wearing uh, reebok then i was wearing foot joys and here's the shoes i wore them pretty much every day i remember the old spike look at that wow that's awesome do you still have the old driver the one that uh from crooked stick yeah, it's framed in here somewhere. I think it's somewhere, somewhere amongst all my <laughs> other somewhere. stuff I want in. Oh wait, wait. afraid to move the computer. It might we may lose the service, but what's this? Found the PGA check. Oh, here you go. There, I got that. You got Still the got check. That right there. Yeah. <laughs> what was the check for? You got to cash that thing, dude. Um, what was it? Two thirty. Two hundred thirty thousand. Man, 230. Times have changed. That's a car. That Might want to hold sure. on to that one. That's awesome. And that one and uh, the British, I think they both had up to about 435 grand. I think I made 200 grand in the British Open. Well, they, they added up to a little more off the golf course. That is for sure. That is. Yeah, that's true. But my career money earnings really suck. <laughs> you, <were laughs> you were about 10 years too, too, too early to get the Tiger Woods effect. See, I want to, I want to yeah. talk about that. Because, like, the game, the way the game has changed now, John, it's basically just a bomber's game. You, you hit it as far as you can, you go find it. Do you kind of – obviously, the money's great nowadays. But put that to the side. Do you kind of wish you were kind of just now getting your career started? Because it seems like your game would fit this style perfectly nowadays. No, because I don't think I'd have lived, lived as long as I have if I'd just start now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I meant take yourself back to, like, 22 years old. I didn't mean, like, start now. Well, it'd be awesome. I, you know, when I was in at 320 and 330 and 40, whatever it was back then with the equipment, you know, a lot of balls and not quite the, the drivers that we have now. Um, it'd be interesting. But, you know, Nicholas could say the same thing. Um, you know, who knows if Nicholas, Sam Sneed, you know, he had that long backswing as well. Probably could just, coming out, no telling how far he did, hit it either. Tom Weisskopf was a bomber. Mm-hmm. I don't think people realize that how far he hit it, but uh, it'd be interesting. But you know what? You can't change time and don't look back on it too much. But uh, I'm very fortunate to have two of them because there's a lot of guys that had a whole career that had great careers that hasn't won, you know, won yet. So, and my pick is Ricky Fowler. He's going to win one soon. That's that's the one that I think is going to win a major real soon. I, it'd be I hard to agree. disagree with you there. Is there a, is there a current player? out on the PGA tour that reminds you of you at all back in your prime? 
Uh, Kyle Rami. I, I, for some reason, I, I hope Rami will, will take that as a compliment. Um, but uh, his style and the way he plays, he's aggressive. He's uh, he's kind of the same. I see him. You know, he he's, he putts. You know, his putter is if it's on, man, you're not going to beat him. He, he's it gets hot and hot and hot, and then I've seen him when he's not so hot. So I feel like we have similar games at his age, and kind of he kind of plays the way I used to play. He's a hell of a player, that's yeah. for sure. And he was our first guest, by the way, on Golf Subpar. Yes, shout out John no, Rom, big fan. I love Johnny Rom. He's he's he, I, he's I love him. He's he's a really cool cat, man. I like watching him play. Yeah, he's a he's a special dude. And speaking of special dudes, we had your boy Pat Perez on last week, and he mentioned uh, in our interview that you are one of the most talented golfers that he's ever seen play the game. And I know Tiger Woods has made similar comments in the past about you and how gifted you were. What does it mean when you hear these guys, a guy like Tiger Woods, who's arguably the best player of all time, mention your name as guys that, that are the most gifted that they've ever seen play? I take it. I love it. You know, and um, like I said, my whole career was based on hot putting. If I was putting hot, you know, I had a really good chance to win. I just didn't have enough hot putting rounds in my career. What is? I get it. Do you have any kind of relationship with Tiger at all, or what was it like back in the in the '90s when you were playing against Tiger? Uh, he was kind of um, stand back. You know, his agent didn't let him just talk to too many people or do too much. It was tough to to get to know Tiger. But I think I met Tiger and his mom and dad when he was playing the Big Eye Insurance Youth Classic. We were playing a Hogan event in Texas County Country Club, and I got paired with him. And I think the reason he made that comment because I was playing an 18 max like golf ball on a Texas kind of country club. I don't remember what hole it was, but I hit a five iron from 220 yards or something, and the the ball came unwound. And um, I think that kind of freaked him out. I thought it was the coolest thing that ever happened, you know, that he's ever seen in golf. That's what he, you know, he told his mom and dad. And um, but uh, I had to get a rules assessment because it just had the little rubber band sitting there on the front of the green. I didn't know what to do. Can I play it? Or, But luckily, I got to replace the ball. And uh, I only beat him by three shots that day, y'all. He was only like 13. <laughs> He's a special You ever ripped the cover off the ball, Colt? Colt uh, ran into that problem a lot in his times, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, uh... Hell, he, he, Colt, you're too young. You probably never even played up a lot of ball. That's true. Good I didn't point. start playing golf to like – what, what was it? 1997. So I don't even know if there was, they were there. That's when like the tour professional was around. The professional was like the gold standard when I was coming up. Yeah. That was like the two piece ball that was coming out by then. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know if you've ever played a real soft, soft, a lot of ball have you? Uh, no, I definitely haven't. And it didn't matter. I couldn't, I don't create enough speed to hurt that thing anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. That's very true. John, a little segue here. I want to talk to you about your son, little John Daly, who's turning into a beast in the making. I saw he won a prestigious junior event in Florida. I think it was in September by nine shots. Like, how much fun is it for you to watch your son fall in love with the game and be as good as, as he's becoming right now? It's awesome to watch. You know, I'm a stand back as dad. I don't get involved. I let his coaches do his thing. I don't tell him any information or give him anything unless he asks me. Um, let him do it on his own. And, you know, I got a club in his family. He was two and all he wanted to do was chip and putt. And then I knew my son was wanted to be a golfer because most kids that want to go play. Now they want to go out and see how far they hit it, if they can hit it on the driving range. But, um, he started, he loved the bunkers. He loved chipping. He loved putting right when he was two years old. And, um, he's come to become one hell of a ball striker. And he's, he's in the past me now, which I'm okay with. But, uh, 
we still go at it. He's playing the same piece as I am now, and we're 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 having battles. Has he beat cool. you yet? Yeah, he's beat me a few, a few times. Yeah, oh, oh, it's a big man. day he's, in a kid's life. What is he? He's sixteen, right? <laughs> sixteen, yeah. What? His nine are about one sixty. I mean, new great. You know, yeah, you know, another with reason. The, with the ball. Another reason. Well, kind of with, we're out with the golf ball and stuff, and the way the kids they got their their irons kind of jacked up now. Um, one thing he did ask me about the favorite shot, Little John loves for me. Is how I can hit an eight iron 130 yards. Mm-hmm. He doesn't understand it. <clears throat> he doesn't understand three quarter shots yet. And I'm, you know, if he wants me to help him with them, like Fuzzy Zeller had about 12 cocktails when he did it with my with a chair at Eagle Trace one year. Son, you ain't gonna you're gonna win a major. You're not gonna be able to play in the win if you don't hit a three quarter shot. And um. I've told my son that you've got to learn three quarter shots. You got to learn knockdown shots and stuff. But everybody just now just seems to hit as high as they can, as far as they can, and uh, they can find it. Is he? Uh, is he going to follow in the footsteps of dad and attend the University of Arkansas? You think? He's gotten a lot of offers, so um, he, you know, Arkansas would probably be his first choice. But uh, you know, let him get some visits in. But you know, we were hoping to make some this summer, but I don't know what's going to happen now. So. Um, but I want him to go wherever he wants to go, wherever he feels like he you know, wants to go. He's got a lot of friends in Fayetteville, and he loves the Blessings Golf Course where the Hogs play. He loves the Hog Golf Team. One of his best friends is playing. Um, and Julian gets an extra year now, so uh, Lil John will be able to play his senior. When he's a freshman, Lil John will be able to play senior year with Julian. So um, if, you know, Coach Brad, you know, if he wants him. But uh, we hope it will happen. But whoever, you know, wherever he wants to go, it's up to him. I'm not going to push him either way, but he's just going to know one thing. Dad's always going to be a Razorback. (laughs) Yeah, that is for sure. I got a feeling they might want him. Yes. (laughs) Well, John, uh, we got one last segment, and then we'll let you get out of here. But with every guest, we do a segment called Emergency Nine, just nine fun questions to get to know you a little better. And I'm going to let Drew start it off here with number one. All right, Johnny, this is a question we ask all of our guests on here. I feel like it's even more uh, relevant for you right now. But if there was a movie made – about the life of John Daly, what actor would you want to play John Daly? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Um, you know, I don't know. Like in my senior years, maybe Matt Damon. Uh, in my bigger years. Okay. Love that. Uh, maybe my bigger years would be Chris Farley. That's, a, that's quite the range. <laughs> Either you Matt know, Damon uh, or Chris Farley. I love that. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Wouldn't has it? anyone reached out to you about doing this? Because I feel like this is a movie that has to be made. We've talked about it to a few people. Bud, you know, with Watchmen, talked to, to a few people about it, but uh, just hasn't hasn't happened yet. But we're hopefully it'll hopefully it'll happen one before, I, at least before I'm six feet under. I'd like to be a part of. It. Please make that happen. I John. will go see it. Please make it happen, for sure. John, for the people. <laughs> All right, number two. Uh, if you, if you had to give up one for a month. Would it be Diet Coke or chocolate? No, I could give chocolate up for a month before Diet Coke. A Diet Coke's tough, huh? Oh, yeah. How many? What, what do you think the most Diet Cokes you've had in a day is? Oh, God. Probably 28. Probably. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. Oh, my God. That's oh, incredible. my God. That's unreal. That, but that, you know, was probably when I was drinking a lot of bourbon. So, you know, I only have one drink a day. It's just a bottle. But, uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> that is incredible 28 28 that's a sound number that's a sound number all right john next question how many presidents have you played with and who is the most fun uh let's see gerald ford both bushes 
uh, well, Trump definitely was the most fun. I mean, he, he was awesome. Um, we just we just had a great time. I had a great time with all of them. Bush Jr. was great. I'd say Trump, but uh, Bob Ford, let's see. I'm trying to think. I think there's been five, six, maybe seven. That's incredible. That's a hell of a lineup. What's Trump's game like? He doesn't hit it too bad. You know, he, he just, uh, we need to work on his chipping a little bit. He's got a little confidence in his chipping. Well, you can definitely help him with that. You're one of the best chippers I've ever seen. Correct. But Get him on that left arm drill. Yep. You are unbelievable. Yeah, that's how unbelievable. You... I was about to say, it's so unreal how good you are with that left hand. I've seen clips of it all over the place. Have you always done that your whole life? I started it to probably right after my shoulder got separated when I went from a draw to a fade because I couldn't get through the ball the way I wanted to. And uh, I knew I had to get the left forearm very, very strong to be able to hit that cut and get some distance out of it. So it's been going on for 13 years probably. All right. Yeah. Well, it seems to work. It's good. All right, number four. So, John, you've you've had your fair share of big numbers made on tour, I would say. Whenever they show a hole and it says, like, highest score ever, sometimes your name's up there. <laughs> Is there one that <laughs> sticks out to you more than any of the others? Well, of course, Six at Bay Hill. That's the one that got the most um, notoriety for. I mean, I followed up with a birdie on uh, number seven at Bay Hill. Incredible. That's good bounce back stats, yeah. Well, the funniest was the media asked Tom Watson, how did John Daly make an 18? He goes, well, he just missed the 10-footer for 17. God. <laughs> That's incredible. Like, 18 were you just, birdie. Did you just keep pulling it, or were you just trying to cut off more and more and more on that hole? I just No, I was just trying to hit something. I just I was in shock after the third one, I think. I don't know. I don't know what the hell happened. <laughs> Is there ever a point was, after, like, the third one where you're like, ah, oh, screw it, I'm just going to keep rifling on this same line, and I'm either going to hit it over or I'm not? I think I did it that day, and probably a time in Australia it happened to me. Um, and then when I overcompensate, you know, I miss the water by 80 yards, hit it left out of bounds, the next thing, and it goes back in the water. And I, it's just There's a lot of people that have been through it, trust me. Mm-hmm. Yep. You ain't the only one. All right, next question, John. This one's near and dear to your heart. Would you rather win a Champions Tour event next year or have the University of Arkansas win the national championship in football? Arkansas winning that's a championship. <laughs> that's a fan. That's a real fan, dude. That's a real dude. That is awesome. I've, I've seen us. I've seen us win one in basketball. I've never got to see us uh, like the '60s when Boros we won in '64. Uh, people don't realize Arkansas was one of the best teams in college football all through the '60s and early '70s. So, uh, yeah, I definitely, definitely want to see Arkansas win that's a championship. That's a real favorite, fan. Favorite Arkansas Razorback of all time. Mm. Oh, that's hard to say, man. I make too many people pretty mad, but uh, I think in the modern era, like McFadden and mm-hmm. and Hillis uh, were awesome. Uh, Billy Ray Smith, you know, he was a stud too. There's a lot of them, guys. There's there's so many of them. Yeah, Matt uh, Jones was fun to watch. Real fun to uh, watch. Ryan, Matt Jones, Ryan Mallett was a stud. You know, mm-hmm. he's still a buddy of mine. So if I, yeah, there's just tons of them. There's tons of them. I don't want to make too many of yep. my buddies mad at me. All right. Tough well, question. I'm okay with that. All right. Number six, you're known for liking to enjoy uh, gambling a little bit here and there, whether it be blackjack or slot machines. What's the most you've ever won in one day of gambling, one day or night? Valleys, I think, somewhere around $2.83 million in one night. It's a good day. All I, did was go, all I did was go around and pay off markers throughout Vegas, though, but I think I ended up doing okay that, that night. 
Damn, I mean, <laughs> that had like how how long did it take to get to that number? Uh, probably about three hours. Whoa, that's a hell of a. I was expecting a lot longer. Yeah, I was too. I've sat uh, with I've sat with you in Reno before and watched you play the slot machines, and it's rather impressive. Well, I mean, Steve Mon is the one who witnessed it. Uh, we just went in there. I had like fifteen, twenty grand on me. I started playing a twenty-five dollar ten-time machine. I hit it. Two ten times in a red seven paid out three hundred fifty grand. He goes, "Let's get out of here." I said, "No, no, no, no. We're going to those. <laughs> yeah, we're going to the five hundred thousand dollar ones." And at one time, I I think I had him about one point nine million lit up on on six machines, which is pretty pretty cool. It's just just one of those lucky nights. It's pretty. Cool. That's pretty cool. Are you a strictly a slots guy, or did you like to get? Did you like to roll the dice or play blackjack, or were you just strictly slots? No, I, I I was strictly blackjack in the nineties, and that's where I got my butt kicked. And slots, you know, I go in now, just have a good time. If I win, I win. If I lose, I lose. It's not. I don't uh, overbear it. You know what I mean? I go in with the means to. Hey, this is what I'm. Uh, this is what I came in here to lose. If I lose, it, I'm gone. So. Were you when you were playing that. when you were playing blackjack? Were you a by the book kind of guy, or were you? I'm John Daly. I'm just going to let it rip and see what happens, kind of guy. Well, I I, I was. For the first, I don't know, millions of dollars I lost, and then <laughs> you know, a buddy of mine says, "Man, you know, sometimes you got to double down on twelves against sixes and less than thirteen sometimes to change the change the cards." And I tell you what, about seventy-five, eighty percent of the time, that that really worked too. That's Damn, incredible. that's a hell of a, I just picked up a little nugget. I'm mm-hmm. going to start doing all those things, and the people next to me were going to hate me the whole time, but I don't care because John Daly told me to do it. <laughs> all right. Johnny, uh, the thing is, don't play with anybody if you're going to do it. I always like to play by myself unless it was the same. My friends that did the same thing I did, you know. Um, but there's no, there's no right or wrong in card games. I mean, you just got to play if you, you know, just enjoy it and play. You know, you piss somebody off too bad. It's your, it's your cards, your hand. Yep. Tough break. Tough break. All right. Next question. Little, little, uh, little segue here. What part of your son's golf game are you most jealous of? Um, I would have to say it's confidence. He's got a lot of confidence that I've never had when I was a kid. Um, he's very humble, but, uh, he's sure about himself and I never was at his age. And I think that's a good necessity that he has as long as he stays humble. That surprises me. I feel like you, you know, when you came out, when everyone saw you in 91, I feel like you were, you looked, at least you appeared really confident the way you walked around crooked stick and got all the fans fired up and all that. I'm surprised to hear that. Yeah, he's he's um, you know I was I had I had field confidence and adrenaline confidence. You know he he feels like he can conquer any hole at any time. You know, um, but he he doesn't have any doubts. I, I always had doubts. Okay. Well, he does have an honest chiming in. He does have your temper, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Don't ever change, little John. That's that's a well, you know, Cole. I'm starting to wonder. His hair looks just like Pat Perez's. It's curly, and Pat, you know, had a pretty good temper. Has a pretty good temper. I'm just wondering. You know, that's funny you say that because I was at Pat's. That's, I mean, you never know. But I was at Pat's the other day when y'all were Facetiming, and you were trying to tell Pat that Pat's little girl might possibly be yours. You just never know. (laughs) Yeah, and and you know what, my son might be his. So hell, we we kept with the family. You know what the hell. I love that. That is so great. Oh, well, listen, good. there's no way anyone could ever mistake. I mean, it's obvious your kid is yours and Pat's little girl is his. I mean, y- they look identical to y'all. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. That's great. Well, uh, this one, number eight, 
Where, when back in the day when you rocked your mullet, where would you say your mullet ranked in on the all-time list? Oh, it was the best. It was the best. <laughs> of course, it was. Uh, Miley Cyrus was dead. Miley Cyrus was dead. Um, Billy Ray. Him, Billy, Billy Ray. Ray. Yeah, we did. There wasn't a lot of social media, but his friends and my friends. I never got to meet Billy Ray. We always went back saying, "Huh, no, mine's better." He'd say, "No, mine was better." <laughs> Billy awesome. Ray's was good. Randy Johnson, one of the only other guys I could. He had a he had a pretty mean one there for a while. Yeah, but you know, he he, he didn't show as much. He always wore hats. Yeah, good point. That's true. Very good point. I would put you one as well, Johnny. All right, last question here. What's the first thing you want people to think of when they hear the name John Daly? Uh, they love people. That's awesome. Yeah, I agree. I tell everybody. I think they the, do think that. Yeah, you're the most loving, caring guy I've ever met, man. You you've been a, a pleasure to get to know, and I can't thank you enough for all you've done for me. That's for sure. Oh, you're the best, Colt. Uh, I really appreciate it's, it's it. All, my mom always said champions come from the heart, and I always feel like I've had a pretty pretty great heart throughout my career for people. That is for sure. You have one of the biggest hearts, and we can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us here on Golf Subpar. You've been great. You got it, guys. Stay safe. Thanks, John. You, you too. too. John. We'll talk Appreciate to you soon. You. And that was the man himself, Long John Daly, in the house via audio, coming live from Arkansas. Dude, that was fun. I, I it's unfortunate we can only go like an hour, hour and a half, whatever it is. Like I could talk all day to that guy. He could tell so many stories. Oh, he has so many stories. It's unbelievable. And I mean, one day we got to get him here in Scottsdale so we can have him sitting in between us. Yes. Maybe with one of his cocktails or Maybe a bottle. A bottle. As he said, only one drink a day for and, John. And telling stories because, I mean, he's got so many. I mean, just him talking about his memorabilia at his house, the people he's met. I mean, B.B. King. I mean, Kid Rock. I mean, to playing with seven presidents just he's uh he's fascinating and it's just like you said there needs to be a movie made about this guy's it ha- if you're gonna make any golf movie in the history like from any modern time going forward john daly has to be the guy you're gonna make there's no one that's drawn more non-golfers know who john daly is than any other guy in the world maybe uh, minus tiger woods so i don't know how i was supposed to take this but my my rookie year on the then web.com tour i'm playing in knoxville and john is in the field Okay, because he's a ten. He grew up in Memphis or was right. Yeah. You know, spent a lot Close of time by, in yeah. Memphis. So he's playing the Web event in Knoxville. You know, big crowds for for that week. I'm on the putting green. I'm 22 years old. Okay, John's what 20? 19 years older than me. 41. So he's 41. Quick math. 40, yeah. He's 41 at the time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hitting putts, and this guy goes, "John, go get him today." I'm like, "John Daly's not." And I turn around. And he's talking to me, and I'm like. Do I really look? He thought you were John. Yeah, I'm like, dude. A, you're not a very big golf fan, and B, <laughs> yeah. I really need to change my life if I'm already looking 41 years old. This is tragic. There's certain guys I can see getting confused with you on the PJ Tour. John Daly ain't no. one. Of them. He's got light blonde, like white hair, mullet, half mullet nowadays. Like you got nothing coming up, no flow coming out. I was out the 22. Back. I had a little bit. You had a little bit of flow. <laughs> I don't remember you having any flow, <laughs> I had no flow at any point that I've known you. But like, that's the one that's I'm like, uh, I was like, huh, how does, that, golf get, fan, huh? How does that get mixed up? Dude, some of his stories, like, I love that you asked him, because uh, it, it gets brought up all the time in the media, like how much he lost in Vegas, right? How much he lost gambling. I love the like, yo, how much, what's the most you We're ever won? We're a positive show here. Exactly. We're a glass half full type guys. You know what I mean? Like, what's the most you won? He's like, what was it? 2.8 million yeah. or something like that. And he's like, oh, by the way, all I did was just drive around and pay off markers in Vegas. I was like, this dude lived a life like nobody's living it right now. And that's why, like, if you're going to make a movie, do this dude and do it hopefully soon because it would be incredible. 
I've sat with him, watched him play the slot machines in Reno. I've sat with him, seen him play blackjack. First off, I could never sit at his table when he plays blackjack. He makes me nervous. He wasn't kidding when he doubles on tw- hard 12 yeah, he mentioned and some stuff like that. Like things. It was just like, I'm like, oh, my God, are you serious right now? This guy is insane. It's like he, sometimes you got to double down a 12 against the whatever he said. And it's like not a, like he's like got $20 on or whatever. Hand. I was like, ah, no, you don't. You're, no, no, you don't You're have looking to do pretty good. Maybe just write it out. But, man, I mean, the guy gets talked about so much for his length off the tee. And his touch around the greens, is it's – it's so unfortunate people don't talk about that more because it is unbelievable. I was talking with Jim Bones Mackay at Whisperock the other day, longtime caddy for Phil Mickelson, and just said, do you have any stories with Daly or any, any round? Yeah. He's like, good God, dude. The guy was so talented. He goes, arguably one of the best I've ever seen around the greens. And that's coming from a guy that caddied for Phil Mickelson. Yeah, like, that means something. Like more pitch shots. And uh, John brought up when he won the, the BC Open. They were paired with Phil on Sunday that year in 92. And Bones said, this golf course is like Hilton Head. Tree line, crazy narrow. He goes, John stepped up on every hole, hit driver when everyone else is hitting iron, and sent it up by every green, drove it so straight it was unbelievable. One going away by like six shots. He goes, it was. I go, this guy is the real deal. Yeah, he mentioned he's like, if I just had a hotter putter, you know, a handful of times, like I would have won a lot of times. But, like, everyone thinks of John Daly. They think of 330-yard drives, hitting bombs and all that stuff. His hands are so underappreciated. Some of the best, those videos that we mentioned where he just chips left-handed. Most guys that you see working on chipping, they're all right-hand, right? Everything you see, mm-hmm. if you're doing it one-handed, it's with the right. His is with the left, which is infinitely harder than the right to hit a chip shot with just their left hand. He hits these little crispy little zizzers and all these different things. It's just like it's a total different appreciation for how good he is with his hands. Yeah, Jason wow. Gort texted it to me. He goes, he chips better one-handed than 99% of the world with two hands. Yeah, and that's why like we brought it up in the in the interview. Like Pat Perez just last week talked about it. Tiger Woods has made quotes in the past. So you can pull up like a lot of people, big-time accomplished golfers, Tiger Woods being the most of all time, arguably, will look at John Daly like maybe the most gifted golfer I've ever seen. In yeah. terms of, like, physical talent. Just doing things that other people can't do. And it's amazing how good he can chip with 28 Diet Cokes in his system. I respect that. much that. caffeine, I would have the... His whole oh his whole caffeine plus nicotine equals protein thing, I think he's on to something there. That's a brilliant I would like thing. to go see John Daly, MD, to get uh, all my prescriptions going. I don't forward. know, like, what the percentage level of caffeine is in, like, a Diet Coke compared to a Red Bull, but you're a Red Bull guy that drinks Huge. two or three a day. Yeah, easy. I like, like to be hyped. That's got to be less than 28 Diet Cokes. As far as caffeine In terms of intake. caffeine, probably. I have no idea. I'm not, not a either. Diet Coke guy, but I know if you put 28 of those things in your system, <laughs> dude, you got some shit going on in there. Oh 28, I was like, oh, my. And he's I like, that's be- when I was drinking a lot of bourbon. So, I mean, I guess you balance it out. But like, that's a that's an unbelievable amount of Diet Coke. I'd dude. be up for days. 28 piece. If I drink like a, some caffeine after like 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm up till at least 2 in the morning. I like to drink two or three Red Bulls and then take a nap trick my system you got to shock the system dude i'll teach you about that later oh that's unbelievable man special thanks to john daly for joining us can't wait to talk to y'all on next week's golf subpar 